Chapter 19 of Therese Raquin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate McKenzie. Therese Raquin by Emile Zola. Translated by Ernest Alfred Wiesteli. Chapter 19. In the meanwhile, the secret work of Therese and Laurent was productive of results. The former had assumed a woeful and despairing demeanour, which at the end of a few days alarmed Madame Raquin. When the old mercer inquired what made her niece so sad, the young woman played the part of an inconsolable widow with consummate skill. She spoke in a vague manner of feeling weary, depressed, of suffering from her nerves, without making any precise complaint. When pressed by her aunt with questions, she replied that she was well, that she could not imagine what it was that made her so low-spirited, and that she shed tears without knowing why. Then, the constant choking fits of sobbing, the warm, heart-rending smiles, the spells of crushing silence full of emptiness and despair, continued. The sight of this young woman, who was always giving way to her grief, who seemed to be slowly dying of some unknown complaint, ended by seriously alarming madame raquin she had now no one in the whole world but her niece and she prayed the almighty every night to preserve her this relative to close her eyes a little egotism was mingled with this final love of her old age she felt herself affected in the slight consolations that still assisted her to live when it crossed her mind that she might die alone in the damp shop in the arcade from that time she never took her eyes off her niece, and it was with terror that she watched her sadness, wondering what she could do to cure her of her silent despair. Under these grave circumstances, she thought she ought to take the advice of her old friend Michaud. One Thursday evening she detained him in the shop and spoke to him of her alarm. "'Of course,' answered the old man, with that frank brutality he had acquired in the performance of his former functions— I have noticed for some time past that Therese has been looking sour, and I know very well why her face is quite yellow and overspread with grief. "'You know why?' exclaimed the widow. "'Speak out at once, if we could only cure her.' "'Oh, the treatment is simple,' resumed Michaud with a laugh. "'Your niece finds life irksome because she had been alone for nearly two years. She wants a husband, you can see that in her eyes.' The brutal frankness of the former commissary gave Madame Raquin a painful shock. She fancied that the wound Thérèse had received through the fatal accident at Saint-Ouen was still as fresh, still as cruel at the bottom of her heart. It seemed to her that her son, once dead, Thérèse could have no thought for a husband. And here was Michaud affirming, with a hearty laugh, that Thérèse was out of sorts because she wanted one. "'Marry her as soon as you can,' as he took himself off, if you do not wish to see her shrivel up entirely. That is my advice, my dear lady, and it is good, believe me. Madame Raquin could not at first accustom herself to the thought that her son was already forgotten. Old Michaud had not even pronounced the name of Camille, and had made a joke of the pretended illness of Therese. The poor mother understood that she alone preserved at the bottom of her heart the living recollection of her dear child, and she wept, for it seemed to her that Camille had just died a second time. Then, when she had had a good cry, 
and was weary of mourning she thought in spite of herself of what michaud had said and became familiar with the idea of purchasing a little happiness at the cost of a marriage which according to her delicate mind was like killing her son again frequently she gave way to feelings of cowardice when she came face to face with the dejected and broken-down therese amidst the icy silence of the shop she was not one of those dry rigid persons who find bitter delight in living a life of eternal despair her character was full of pliancy devotedness and effusion which contributed to make up her temperament of a stout and affable good lady and prompted her to live in a state of active tenderness since her niece no longer spoke and remained there pale and feeble her own life became intolerable while the shop seemed to her like a tomb what she required was to find some warm affection beside her some liveliness some caresses something sweet and gay which would help her to wait peacefully for death it was these unconscious desires that made her accept the idea of marrying therese again she even forgot her son a little in the existence of the tomb that she was leading came a sort of awakening something like a will and fresh occupation for the mind she sought her husband for her niece and this search gave her matter for consideration the choice of a husband was an important business the poor old lady thought much more of her own comfort than of therese she wished to marry her niece in order to be happy herself for she had keen misgivings lest the new husband of the young woman should come and trouble the last hours of her old age the idea that she was about to introduce a stranger into her daily existence terrified her it was this thought alone that stopped her that prevented her from talking openly with her niece about matrimony while therese acted the comedy of weariness and dejection with that perfect hypocrisy she had acquired by her education laurent took the part of a sensible and serviceable man he was full of little attentions for the two women particularly for madame raquin whom he overwhelmed with delicate attention little by little he made himself indispensable in the shop it was him alone who brought a little gaiety into this black hole when he did not happen to be there of an evening the old mercer searched round her ill at ease as if she missed something being almost afraid to find herself face to face with the despairing therese but laurent only occasionally absented himself to better prove his power he went to the shop daily on quitting his office and remained there until the arcade was closed at night he ran the errands and handed madame raquin who could only walk with difficulty the small articles she required then he seated himself and chatted he had acquired the gentle penetrating voice of an actor which he employed to flatter the ears and heart of the good old lady in a friendly way he seemed particularly anxious about the health of therese like a tender-hearted man who feels for the sufferings of others on repeated occasions he took madame raquin to one side and terrified her by appearing very much alarmed himself at the changes and ravages he said he perceived on the face of the young woman we shall soon lose her he murmured in a tearful voice we cannot conceal from ourselves that she is extremely ill ah oh, alas for our poor happiness and our nice tranquil evenings madame raquin listened to him with anguish Laurent even had the audacity to speak of camille you see 
said he to the mercer. The death of my poor friend has been a terrible blow to her. She had been dying for the last two years, since that fatal day when she lost Cabnir. Nothing will console her, nothing will cure her. We must be resigned. These impudent falsehoods made the old lady shed bitter tears. The memory of her son troubled and blinded her. Each time the name of Camille was pronounced, she gave way, bursting into sobs. She would have embraced the person who mentioned her poor boy. Laurent had noticed the trouble and outburst of tender feeling that this name produced. He could make her weep at will, upset her with such emotion that she failed to distinguish the clear aspect of things, and he took advantage of this power to always hold her pliant and in pain in his hand, as it were. Each evening, in spite of the secret revolt of his trembling inner being, he brought the conversation to bear on the rare qualities, on the tender heart and mind of Camille, praising his victim with almost shameless impudence. At moments, when he found the eyes of Therese fixed with a strange expression on his own, he shuddered, and ended by believing all the good he had been saying about the drowned man. Then he held his tongue, suddenly seized with atrocious jealousy, fearing that the young widow loved the man he had flung into the water, and whom he now lauded with the conviction of an enthusiast. Throughout the conversation, Madame Raquin was in tears, and unable to distinguish anything around her. As she wept, she reflected that Laurent must have a loving and generous heart. He alone remembered her son. He alone still spoke of him in a trembling and affected voice. She dried her eyes, gazing at the young man with infinite tenderness, and feeling that she loved him as her own child. One Thursday evening, Michaud and Grivet were already in the dining-room when Laurent, coming in, approached Thérèse, and with gentle anxiety inquired after her health. He seated himself for a moment beside her, performing for the edification of the persons present his part of an alarmed and affectionate friend. As the young couple sat close together, exchanging a few words, Michaud, who was observing them, bent down and said in a low voice to the old mercer as he pointed to Laurent, Look, there is the husband who will suit your niece. Arrange this marriage quickly. We will assist you if it be necessary. This remark came as a revelation to Madame.